Hello, here we are with Ayers on the Road again, another week. Getting another close to Christmas. Day, getting close to Christmas. A week from today. We are up from I, We're recording this Friday. Some of you will hear it on Saturday, but a week from today is Christmas Day. You still get a little tingly and excited, Linda, just like when you were a little girl. <laughs> it is going to be so fun. It'll be great. Um, we have a foot of new snow up here. It is absolutely gorgeous up in Park City today. And uh, wherever you are, we hope that you're getting where you need to be in this crazy time. We need to appreciate this Christmas because it's a COVID Christmas. It's the only COVID Christmas. Hopefully, cross your, uh, your fingers and toes that this will never happen again. It is different. Well, and you know, we're th this is the second week in a row that we're doing Christmas Stories. The title of the show is Christmas Stories 2. And I was just going to say, Linda, I'll bet you everyone in the future, when they tell their personal Christmas stories, it'll include Christmas of 2020 because it's going to be so unique. <laughs> in our case, we're getting together with our the kids that live close enough to us and the grandkids, but we're going to be upstairs looking down from a balcony and they're going to be opening presents down below because we don't think those droplets can float upward. <laughs> <laughs> we'll probably still wear our masks. Um, and we're only doing one family at a time, just a small group. So Linda, when you think of classic Christmas stories, classic Christmas stories, what comes to mind? Before we get to personal Christmas stories, what are the classic Christmas stories that you think of? Well, I think of the times really that our kid, when our kids were all here and uh, we did a service project every year and we had so much fun doing those secret Santa things and we found a little family once out in um, West Valley who the dad, oh, it was such a dear family. They had eight kids and the dad and she was pregnant and the dad would had to go away to work to get money to support his family. So he'd go away and then he'd come back and take care of everyone. Of course, the mother was the one that was really taking care of everyone. And they went into their house and literally they had nothing. There were no beds, there were no chairs, there were nothing. And um, it was an incredible experience. We loved uh, being the secret Santa. I, they might have figured out it was us, but we dumped stuff on their doorstep. And oh, remember all those. Every year we'd get a, a family and we'd find out about them sort of surreptitiously so we knew who the kids were and what their ages were. And then we'd, we'd do some Christmas preparation and shopping for them. And then we'd put it on the porch and run and hide somewhere and watch people come to the door. And you know what you, what those memories make me think of, honey, is the, the, the fact that all classic Christmas stories involve giving. And, and I think of the gift of the Magi. Remember O. Henry's famous story? Oh, of course. <laughs> do you think that's My fading favorite. out or do you think that's always going to be a classic? Oh, it'll always be a classic. I mean, here's yeah. the, the man who, uh, this it was published in 1905. I'd forgotten it was that long ago. And, you know, uh, the story tells of a young husband and wife and how they deal with the challenge of buying secret Christmas gifts for each other with very little money. And I, I was just thinking back through it in my mind. Delia Young is the 
the, the woman, and she discovers she has $1.87 to buy a present for her husband, Jim. So she visits a nearby shop of a hairdresser who buys her long, beautiful hair for $20. And Delia uses that $20 to buy a platinum pocket watch chain for Jim. And there's just such warmth in the story because she's giving up everything for this. And Jim comes home from work that evening and Delia admits to him that she sold her hair to buy him the chain. And then Jim gives Delia her present, a set of ornamental combs, which she'll be unable to use because, until her hair grows back. And Delia gives Jim the watch chain and he tells her that he sold the watch in order to buy the combs. <laughs> It oh, makes you cry just to think that, about oh, it. That, oh, Henry, he was amazing. <laughs> the Ransom of Red Chief. So many wonderful stories. But this is, of course, the favorite and a Christmas favorite. Um, By the way, the story is that, that oh, Henry wrote that, that story of, the, of the, 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 the Magi at a little place called Pete's Tavern in on Irving Place in New York City. It's oh, still really? there. Mm. Yeah, we've been past it. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, there are wonderful Christmas stories, and of course, oh, we have a box full of Christmas books that we need. We haven't brought up yet because we're here on our own right now, but the kids will be coming. So they are beautiful. Oh, um, Christmas uh, Day in the Morning, uh, fabulous, fabulous book by Pearl Buck. I'm from a farm family, and and it is one of our favorites. It's, there's so many beautiful stories. But when you think about it, Linda, the, 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 the core of every classic Christmas story is the giving and the sacrifice that goes into the giving. I mean, you think of um, the reason O. Henry called it the gift of the Magi. He was thinking of the, the, the wise men and the sacrifice they made to find the Christ child and to, to give their gifts. And, and you think of the... Uh, you think of the sh the movie we watch every year, right? Um, um, you know, what am I thinking of? Uh, it's a wonderful life. It's a life. wonderful life, of course. And of yeah. course, he he gives up everything. George Bailey never got a chance to fulfill his life's ambition of exploring the world and building skyscrapers. He He stayed around so his brother could leave and so on, and he sacrificed everything. And finally, it all worked out. It's all about the great Christmas stories are all about giving and sacrifice. Well, they're about things that are not things. They are things of the soul. That they're yeah. not, you know, objects that you can give. It's something. I, I've just been even reading. a Christmas carol. You know, same thing. Right. Yeah, sacrificing everything, and um, getting that Christmas turkey after all, and all that. You know, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm thinking this morning about because. We're dealing with a friend that has kind of a miserable life right now, has had for a lot of years. And um, the sacrifice that he needs to make is to forgive. I yeah. think that's another thing that is so important at Christmas. We carry around hurt of things that people have done to us, and it is so important to let that go because it's so much harder on you than it is on them. And to lift that weight and just forgive people for no matter, and this is a really serious situation that's been life-changing for many years, but it's a heavy, heavy burden to carry that, and those kinds of things to give up at Christmas are what make Christmas really special. It's all about that sacrifice. You've got me thinking now that, that you remember Hans Christian Andersen's story, The Little Match Girl, and how 
she's freezing and she lights one match at a time to try to keep her warm oh, and yeah. it ends in tragedy because she dies but she sees these visions of of giving and of serving and, and finally of her grandmother who comes to to take her away and it's a beautiful thing and and you know Henry Wadsworth Longfellow when we when we were graduate students in Boston we we lived uh, right by Harvard University and by by the home of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow by his house where he lived and of course he wrote beautiful Christmas lyrics to to some of our m most wonderful songs but he also wrote the poem the three kings and I always remember the first stanza, three kings came riding from far away, Melchior and Gaspar and Baltazar. Three wise men out of the east were they, and they traveled by night and they slept by day, for their guide was a beautiful, wonderful star. There's just yeah. something about the giving, you know, again, I've just been so impressed with that, that all the classic stories involves sacrifice and gift. And so what do we do as parents, Linda, when we when we have children where Christmas is all about the getting and not the giving, you know, and the classic question, what are you gonna get? What do you what do you want? What are you gonna ask for? What what are what what are you hoping Santa will bring you? It's almost as though and I don't want to overstate this, but it's almost though the real, the true Christmas with Christ as the symbol is all about giving. And the other symbol, the sort of competitor for attention is the spirit of getting re as represented by Santa Claus. And what is he gonna bring you? And I don't, I don't mean to put, throw Santa under the bus, but. <laughs> Get him stuck I, in the I chimney. I sometimes <laughs> think it's, a, it's a, you could think of it as a classic conflict between Jesus and Santa, giving and getting truth and imagination you could go on and on oh but there's something so <laughs> magical about imagination we always we've always said that it is a beautiful time of year for children because it's just full of imagination imagination stories are as uplifting as the giving stories well they really are but i do i, I remember one time i asked one of our little granddaughters it was eliza she's 16 now so this is a long time ago because i think she was four and i i don't know why i wasn't trying for any particular thing but we were together at, at the zoo i remember where we were we were at the, actually at the zoo before christmas and i said eliza um what's the difference between um i, I didn't say it quite this directly but the essence of the question is what's the difference between jesus and Santa Claus <laughs> and basically she gave the most beautiful beautiful answer she just said well Santa Claus is a lot of fun and he's he's real imaginary and I thought oh wow what's she gonna say next and she said but Jesus is real real and I <laughs> thought wow if a four-year-old can understand that that's pretty powerful and uh you know, I think little kids can understand that giving is where they really get their joy. We talked a little last week about our own solution to the Santa-Jesus conflict was that we always, on and still do, and we'll do it this Christmas. On Christmas Eve, we're just about 
Christ and about the nativity and about giving. And that's the time when our children give their gifts. We're the recipients. They give gifts to each other. And then on Christmas, you can just let it all go and they're, they're all about getting. But I think if we could poll our kids over the years, they've felt more joy and felt the true spirit of Christmas on Christmas Eve when they were giving their gifts, not when they were yeah. receiving. Yeah, I like the letting go thing that you just said because I think Christmas really is time to let go of how much you hate COVID. <laughs> you yeah, know? Let, it, let it go. We, we, Quit I, talking about it. We're all resentful <laughs> of the things that we've missed out on and the things that we haven't done, but um, we haven't been able to do, or loved ones who were sick or have passed away. It is really um, a time when you can hang on to that and ruin your life yeah. if you just hang on to it. We need to let go of all the hurt feelings that we've had. I think that that is what would make Jesus the happiest. Well, and maybe it is. A, it's a, the timing's so great, isn't it, Linda? I mean, you have Christmas and then you have New Year just a week later. And the whole idea that, you know, we're going to love New Year's new year's eve just because we can say goodbye to 2020 good riddance we don't want to deal with you anymore and we can we can look toward the hope of the new year um we're just starting reading a book by um a wonderful book called 10 lessons 10 post-pandemic lessons by farid zicario and, and and one of the points he makes right in the preface is that we're going to come out of this feeling a wonderful sense of anticipation and gratitude and christmas is the perfect time for it to start it is so we're going to carry on in just a moment we've got some fun for the second half so hang on we'll be right back and we're back talking about christmas surprise surprise is the season and we I have been talking about how important it is to do the things that you can't see. You can't, you can't really grasp with your hands, but that you can do with your heart and your mind. And how Christmas has to be at its core all about giving and how kids can really appreciate that. And to illustrate it, we want to tell a little bit of a more involved story. And we want to be a little personal and tell you some of the things that we're concerned about that maybe you feel concerned about in your family and and this this happened when we had all nine of our children at home and it was a the run-up to another typical christmas and everyone was making their lists what they wanted and everyone was thinking you know way in advance about what was going to happen when christmas came and we were basically sick of it we were sick of the whole commercial <laughs> aspect of christmas and we did something really, really dramatic. We did. <laughs> it was a little bit crazy. And we did get ahead of it just enough that they hadn't made these long lists. They had thought about what they wanted. Well, I guess it started the Christmas before when we were so up. We, we thought, we don't yeah, want to undergo another one of these commercial this gimme, gimme, get, getting Christmases. And, and, you know, even now we find that when we're visiting sometimes with our grandkids on Christmas Day, there is so much stuff, and our, their parents believe the same thing, but we just get caught up in yeah, it. we do. They get so much stuff that they can't open it all before breakfast. They just, there's too many. They have to, you know, go the whole day to open all these gifts, which we're not, we're not saying well, that's and it's a the genuine, wrong way to do it or it, anything. It, it's just it's a, a genuine desire by parents hard. and grandparents and others to give, give, give to the children 
And we don't think enough about them being on the receiving end and not on the giving end. Anyway, we had a plan for this particular Christmas. And remember when we presented it to the children and they had to decide individually, they had to vote on whether we would do it. Right. Yeah. We didn't want to just arbitrarily say, this is what we're doing. So uh, we presented this idea to them. Um, we had been working with a wonderful organization called Choice Humanitarian. And uh, they were doing expeditions to, uh, you know, all over the world at that point. But they had one particular one to Bolivia. That started on on the day after, started on Christmas Day, Christmas actually. Christmas Day, yeah. yeah. So uh, it was really pretty uh, intense, but we got excited about it. Well, all we knew initially was that we were going to go to a tiny village high up on what they call the Altiplano, the high plains of up above La Paz and, and 12,000 feet high. And there was a I village think it was there. 14. I think it was 14. Was it 14? Yeah. Maybe yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was higher uh, and, than Mount Olympus. And it was a village that had no water. It was a typical, you hear this so often in the third world, that people had to walk. The, the women, frankly, every morning to go get the water and bring it back to the village out of a dirty river. And the project was to lay some PVC pipe from a little spring and actually bring water to the very center of that village. And, and, and this organization had bought the materials and we and some other families were to go there and spend, was it 10 days? I think, because I think we got back by... It must have been only nine or ten oh, days because well, we yeah, got back in time for school on the 3rd of January. Well, we were gone two weeks altogether. Oh, well, maybe it was two, Somehow. so we must have missed a little school. Yeah, we did. But we presented it to the kids. Remember that morning, Linda? And do, do you want to, do you, this Christmas, you have a choice. You can have another Christmas like last year and turn your lists into Santa and all the rest, or you can have an adventure. We can all go to Bolivia. Let's look at it on the map. Let's tell you about this village. Let's tell you what we would do. <laughs> yeah, and actually, it, it, the biggest problem was that it was just so high. I mean, and I said Mount Olympus. I meant Timpanogos. It's much higher than that. I mean, it was really so high. It's going to be so high that it's going to be hard to breathe. We were telling our kids. But we're going to go into this little village, and there are just native people living in little mud huts there and they need some water into their village and what we're going to do is dig trenches for pvc pipes so you'll each get a pick and an axe and you can well not an axe i guess a pick and a shovel and um, you can help build these trenches from a little hill about is about half a mile away that will bring because it's already been started it will bring water down into this village which they've never had before so and we'll go with some other families and, and, and it'll cost it'll cost exactly the same amount of money we would have spent on Christmas. So you have to make a choice. If you don't want to do it, we won't. We'll just stay home and have another Christmas. But boy, it'll be quite an adventure. And by the way, on the way home, we'll make one stop in Peru and we'll climb Machu Picchu. And we showed them the pictures of Machu Picchu and so on. And some of them were instantly on board. Oh, that, let's do that. That's adventuresome. And one or two were a little like, wait, we're not having any Christmas? <laughs> well, wait well, a wait second. Wait a minute. <laughs> Actually, uh, by the time we got through with that morning, it's just it's still a clear memory, though, so many years ago. 
Everybody was on board except our youngest daughter, who was nine, I think. Yeah, yeah. Or ten. And she, that was hard for her to think about giving all that up. And we said, you don't have to go with us. You can go be with Grandma. You can have whatever you want on your Christmas list. You don't have to do it. And she had to think about it for a couple of days, I yeah. think, before she decided, okay, okay, I'll go then. And uh, it was pretty amazing. Well, I remember after we, we I, let's be honest, we kind of <laughs> persuaded them. I mean, we showed them pictures. We showed them Machu Picchu. We, we told them all the fun things we could do. We told them about the plane ride and everything. And we kind of, I, I remember after they had all finally agreed and we're like, okay, now, you know, this means no Christmas. We won't even, you know, there won't be a single thing under it. We'll get a Christmas tree, but nothing will be under it because on uh, we're going to leave on Christmas Day to go. And I remember after they'd finally all sort of thought about it and said, okay, let's do it. I remember feeling a little guilty. Like we, we, we knew it was going to be really hard. <laughs> they were going to not have any fun there in the typical sense of the word. And, they were going to really work hard. And we knew that the food may not be like the right. food because the villagers provided the meals for us. And, uh, well, there's an organization, obviously, Choice had people there who knew how to do beautiful food according to their standards. So, yeah, mainly um, rice and beans. <laughs> right. So I, I have to admit I packed a lot of granola bars and a whole lot of treats that they would like in my suitcase um, because we knew that we had some picky eaters. But... It was absolutely phenomenal. We, I wanted to say though, Linda, I got feeling a little, you, you know where I'm going with this, I felt a little guilty that we hadn't given them any Christmas. So I got an idea and it actually worked out. I, there, there, there was a limousine company in Salt Lake City and I called and managed to hire a white limo, a big one, one that would hold all 11 of us. and. Um, I can't remember the details, but somehow we talked the limo driver into dressing up as Santa Claus. Yeah, and he brought an elf. <laughs> and he too. brought one of his yeah. little kids who was dressed up as an elf. So the only sort of the only sort of homage we played to traditional Christmas was that on Christmas morning, the kids were getting up and it was like Christmas morning, nothing under the tree, and there was a little <laughs> bit of gloom and then just with perfect timing this white and we had all our bags packed and they were sitting by the front door they didn't know how we were getting to the airport and one of them looked out the window and said wow there's a limo out there it's a white one and and one of the others looked and said i think that's santa driving it and we all got the bags and loaded them in that limo and well, went to the airport and, and it sort of was the right touch well, it was really amazing because we, we those are the days when you could take quite a lot of stuff on the oh, air, yeah. airplanes. Oh, yeah, I remember So we that. had um, lots and lots of stuff that we were taking for a carnival for the kids, you know, before right, at the right. end, and we were taking stuff. Supplies, hygiene kits, we'd made hygiene kits before, and each of us had a certain number of those that we were taking with us. And so they just literally had a little backpack on their own clothes, but there was a lot of baggage to take to this village. And How did we get all that in that limo? I just, that, that well, I think we took some truck. down. I, we took some down. Oh, before. beforehand, or we had another car Choice, that brought yeah, the Choice baggage. Took some down. Yeah. But anyway, it was pretty <clears throat> amazing. So we get there, and we we have to go a little bit faster, honey, because we get there, and it was La Paz was amazing for those of you who may have been there. But then we got on this bus again, and all the stuff is on top of this bus, 
and um, it was wild and it was an old bus and we traveled and traveled and traveled and we kept going up, 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 up. Yeah. And uh, we finally got there and literally we could barely breathe when we got to the destination. And then we saw these people coming from the village and they were so darling. They all had, they were all dressed and the women had their cute bowler hats on and the men were so excited to greet us. And, and then they had a music, they had a radio or a little tape player or something so that we box, were dancing. Yeah. They wanted us to dance into the village and this is like a mile and a half into the village. <laughs> and we could barely breathe but the table was so that they could set it down every once in a while and they had these bottles of Coke so that they could give us a little drink <laughs> once in a while because they knew that we'd be tired. They didn't realize that we could not breathe. And so we were going pretty slow and it was really, but they had confetti too. They had confetti, so they were throwing confetti at us. Actually, it was so fun. The it was, and the, and the kids were just into it and they weren't as affected at, at the breathing as we were. We were really, and you know, some of the people on the expedition uh, got altitude sickness. It, it was really a, a, a dangerously a high time. place. And then when we got to digging the trenches, which went on for a week, our kids, and we had some big old boys. We had some varsity basketball strong high school boys, and they were trying to dig these trenches to put in the pipe. And by the end of the week, they were able to do pretty well. But I remember those first days, these little women, the little village women, oh, were, were, they, they were they were working we're our big boys under the table because they were used to that altitude. But And it was fun. We did have uh, potatoes for their first meal sitting on the ground and a long thing. I'll never forget that. And it was yeah. roasted potatoes, but they were like purple potatoes and black potatoes and stuff that our kids had never seen. And they were just looking at us like, and we we're like, you eat it. You eat it because no matter what, you're going to eat this. Anyway, it was really, really an exciting time. They, they, the villagers we fell in love with. We went to their homes. We had Polaroid cameras, so we took pictures of their families, which we left with them. They had never seen themselves. They'd never seen themselves. They had no in mirrors a, in a or photo. any way to know what they looked like. They were so delighted, and hopefully, maybe they still haven't seen And I remember, them. Linda, the kids kept reminding each other and us that this was Christmas. This was our Christmas, and there was kind of a, a Christmas spirit about it and I remember when we were on the plane on the way home and I was sit, sit, sitting by Charity this youngest daughter of ours who was the most reluctant to go and I don't think I asked her the question I just think she spontaneously said to me she said dad that is the best Christmas I've ever had the best Christmas and ever. I remember saying to her but you didn't get a single present and she said, I know, but we gave a present. We gave water to that. Oh, village. we have to tell you that. About the turning on of the that water. That last yeah. day, the last day, it was just uh, New Year's Day. We, we actually had the whole village came to the center and we had a tap. And when they turned that water on, honestly, it was so amazing. And we, they saw water running water into the running center into of their, their village. village. There was, they like were crying. And they were crying. Our kids were, were so crying. Excited. You'd never know it. And it was something that it was fabulous. But and we know that a lot of you cannot go to Bolivia for Christmas. We know that that's a dream that maybe none of you. I mean, some of you will be able to experience, but not many. So, but we do want to say it is such a wonderful experience to really think about giving. 
Well, and that's the bottom line of today's show. And we each find our own way to do it. But the real meaning of Christmas is always giving. The classic stories are always about giving. We challenge you to find a way this Christmas and every Christmas to center your family's tradition on giving. Good luck, and we'll be back again next week on Ayers on the Road. Bye-bye.